social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Why don't we plan out how we're gonna start the episode? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the spur of the moment. How do you say hello? Pro podcasters are really good at it. We're well, just you know not what? pro podcasters yet. We need like a thing like Michael Barbaro from The Daily. You know, like we can start each episode with, and this is all the social ladies. <laughs> Today, we speak to Claire Nebel. Did you see last week that he talked to Jack Dorsey? I didn't listen to it, but you told me. Yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting what interview. What did they talk about? They covered a lot, just about this, the role of social media. They talked about Trump's Twitter. Mm. A lot of current event discussion. Well... Yeah. Our worlds are colliding, really. That's our favorite podcast. And we both love Twitter. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter. I know. I want to read you this that I saw. Um, it's really funny. At Cash Lydia tweeted, I just saw a job require 15 plus years in social media experience. Like they want to hire Tom from MySpace. <laughs> How good is that? It's funny. It's true. I I mean, I saw a tweet the other day and it was from Adweek and they were doing a thread of like, what's your hot take like advertising industry hot take yeah someone was trying to debunk the like social media is run by interns Mm -hmm. stigma Mm -hmm. um and the point was that most of the jobs for social media positions go to people who are like one or two years into the workforce or out of college because they're the most social savvy of course like that doesn't mean it's a real job yeah they grew up on the internet but i guess tom from myspace he probably has the most experience. He has the most experience of all of us. <laughs> I hope he's well. He's a photographer. Is he really? Yeah, I was looking at his Instagram the other day. How's he look? Does he still wear that white t-shirt? <laughs> From what I saw, let me see. I think that might be his profile photo. It should very well be. His handle is MySpace Tom, and it is, yeah, it's the photo from MySpace and the, his bio is former first friend enjoying retired life. Photography is my new hobby. New mission to help others and engage. Fun. Okay, let's talk about the updates surrounding TikTok because now they also include Twitter and Instagram. So everything's connected. Everything is connected. Everything is cake. <laughs> um, so Twitter and TikTok are said to have preliminary talks about a merger. Mm-hmm. So now not only is Microsoft interested in purchasing TikTok, but Twitter is as well. Yes. Which so, I would be into. I mean, I loved Vine. Vine 2.0. I know. Don't even get me started because I was a huge Vine user. And then additionally, Sequoia Capital, who previously had invested in ByteDance, is now interested again too. In the midst of all of this TikTok ban drama, Instagram rolled out Reels, <laughs> which was very timely. I mean, the timing couldn't have been better for a direct competitor to TikTok. Yep. So Instagram posted about Reels, which is a TikTok knockoff, and TikTok responded on Twitter and said, looks familiar. I know. Wink. <laughs> um, but over the weekend, I saw a lot of like cross-posting of TikTok videos for sure. to Instagram. For sure. A lot of the TikTok creators who have built their careers and their followings on this platform are not putting all their eggs in one basket. So they're starting to learn how Instagram Reels works. In response to that, TikTok (laughs) gave away $2 billion to some of these creators. I think it was 15 of them to try to keep them on TikTok versus rolling over to Instagram Reels. Yep. The creator fund has been in the works for a while now. Um, But again, another timely decision on their part to really get that money out and into the hands of people who are making videos. Yeah. I tried to post a reel. Did you? You didn't tell me that. 
Well, I have a TikTok video in the works, which mm-hmm. I told you about. I'm rating all the food that the bars have to give away with the Cuomo mandate because <laughs> you can't just serve alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm making a TikTok about it, but I was like, well, I'll try Reels while I'm at it. And Reels was only 15 seconds, which I didn't realize. TikTok, you can go a little bit longer. So my video didn't fit. Oh, how would I guess my larger question is, is how would you rank the, the editing tools? Because you know I notoriously have a very hard time editing on TikTok. Yes. So I didn't get too far, but I was very um, surprised that... When, so it had you add a song to it like you do on TikTok. Yeah. And it had like the charts of what to choose from. And it was the same exact sure. songs that yeah. are trending on TikTok. Wow. But yeah, so it's, it's literally a complete carbon copy. Yeah. Okay. So you would say that editing tools are comparable. I mean, my favorite part that came along with the... Instagram Reels release is all the new uh, typography tools that you can use on stories. Yes. Can we talk about how they included Comic Sans? Who let that one slide in there? Unless it's ironic, like maybe for meme making. For sure. But I, I, I don't trust the population. I, no, no. I saw this other thing too that it was like, they just really need to simplify their offering. They're trying to do a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. I mean, I get it. The audience is there. It's like super ripe for all these new additions. But at the same time, I still kind of just want to post a photo and throw on a lo-fi filter, <laughs> you know? I know. I saw something the other day that was like, I miss the days where you would just upload a photo from your role yeah. and use the lo-fi filter. Yeah. Thank you for repeating I my joke back at me. I don't to say it again. <laughs> well... On the topic of Instagram, we actually have a woman from a brand that we are super fond of on the show today. So Claire Niebel is the Senior Director of Marketing at Ritual. And we talk about Ritual all the time in the office as far as like a well-curated brand Instagram aesthetic. Yes, always a touch of yellow. They knock it out of the park. And I love how she talks to us a little bit more about this idea that the vitamin itself isn't just designed to be aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. because that was mind boggling to me. And then in addition to really all the hats that she gets to wear in her role. Yeah. Lots to discuss. We might as well just have you listen to it. What do you say? (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. Oh, before we start the show, we have an announcement. There's one thing we forgot to share. Following this episode, we are taking a mid-season break. We sound so fancy when we say it that I way. I know. I wish we were like going on some extravagant vacation on our mid-season break, but... But we're not. <laughs> we will be back on September 30th with a whole new lineup of guests to round out the year. So in the meantime, if you have any feedback for us, things you want to see on the show, people you want us to talk to, please, please, please send us a DM on Instagram at all the social ladies. Okay, now let's hear from Claire. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited (laughs) to um, get to know you guys. Yeah. We are too. Okay. As always, we're going to jump right into the social media speed round. Sounds good. Okay. What is your favorite social network? Instagram. What is your go-to emoji? I think it's probably the emoji. I think it's called like the sweating emoji, but I think (laughs) it has the sort of like laugh crying emoji. Uh, So that one. How about Twitter or TikTok? I don't think I'm fully, you know, a fan of either yet, but I'm going to know TikTok better. Mm-hmm. Aren't we all? <laughs> what about stories or feed? Definitely stories. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? I get a lot of ads for, I think it's pronounced Postus, the uh, skincare and makeup. What about your favorite meme? Um, I have 
so many favorite memes. I love to be just surrounded by a lot of memes. So <laughs> I follow um, Mrs. Dow Jones, who I love um, on sort of an everyday basis. And then I also love all the memes that we create for ritual. And a favorite is this meme. This is probably my, my all-time favorite. It's this meme where it's um, a Cortisone's vitamins, not the, the ritual capsule. And it says it's the last vitamin you took looks like red sunstone. It's time for ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect because we did it during the 10 year challenge so it was just oh that's perfect i perfect. love that that's fun yeah the perfect thing okay and last question it's 2005 and you're on your myspace page what song is playing that's a great question um probably whatever the laguna beach theme song was mm -hmm. yes <laughs> hillary duff yeah i'm clean i was gonna say michelle oh, i know that's yeah, that was Laguna Beach. Yeah. yeah. Normally you sing for us, so I was expecting <laughs> that to be next. I'll spare you. Thank you. Okay. Claire, tell us all about yourself. We know you've had some really cool roles. I mean, Glossier, now you're at Ritual, and you had a move from New York to LA as well. Mm -hmm. I want to know all about it. Tell me all of the things. Sure. All of the things. Where to begin? Um, well, I... So before the move from New York to LA, I grew up in a really small town in Michigan. Um, I was obsessed with fashion and beauty, um, but I was a bit removed from that day to day. So I grew a huge appreciation for um, the internet, for publishing, for magazines, for anything that could connect me to the things that I was so passionate about at the time. To Target, to be honest, anywhere where I could mm -hmm. go and kind of just feel that connection. So. As I grew my career, you know, I moved to New York, I went to NYU, I started working in publishing and that, you know, editorial focus kind of segued into marketing. Um, and I remain really obsessed with sort of the things that connect us to culture every day. Mm -hmm. Really deep appreciation, I think, for like the little things that um, we do or we use or we practice every day that can inspire um, change in our lives. So I really care about when it comes to consumer goods, really elevating everyday products, um, mm -hmm. making them as high quality as possible and making them as accessible as possible. So between um, Glossier and beauty and ritual and health, um, that's really bad. My focus and something I like about my career is I started in fashion then I went to beauty. Um, now I work in, you know, health um, and I think that I'm getting kind of closer and closer to the things that really connect us on sort of a human level, which mm -hmm. is cool. Um, I love all of those things, but I think, I'm, you know, I've really gotten down to sort of the essentials. Um, and that's something that has been really exciting for me. I, you said, you know, you, those similarities between the direct-to-consumer brands. And we obviously stalked your Instagram and <laughs> saw your bio that said you're not a startup person, but somehow happiest at a startup. So I hear what you're saying, that there's these similarities. Um, what do you enjoy about that environment and how have you been able to grow due to that you know accelerated yeah that, fast -paced just life? the startup nature of yeah. it all yeah that's a really good question so i think to explain um what's in my instagram that kind of goes back to to be honest at, at least at first feeling a little bit uncomfortable by sort of the pace and seeing everything um you know like the curtain unveiling you know mm -hmm. the startup's business um, and just how quickly things are moving and progressing. But I've sort of 
channeled that awkwardness or uncomfort that I might have felt like five, six, seven years ago and really channeled that into, I think, motivation to help Mm -hmm. companies not become startup companies, um, which is what the name of the game is overall from Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, Tell us for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Ritual, give us like a brief overview of the brand and what your kind of day-to-day role looks like. Yeah, sure. Um, Ritual is a health company that is on a mission to turn healthy habits into a ritual. So very much aligned with what I care about personally. That all started with our version of a multivitamin that we've since introduced um, for multiple ages, life stages, and genders. We recently launched men's. Um, For women, we have recovered from 18 plus to post-menopause. So we've really expanded the brand over the last year or so. And Mm -hmm. my role is a senior director of marketing. So what that means is two main things. One, I oversee the brand team that's responsible for building the ritual brand on an everyday and also a longer term basis. So we're responsible for things like product launches, any brand programs. We recently launched a nutrition inequality program where for every new ritual subscription, we're donating 10 pounds of food to people who don't have access to that. Um, That's awesome. I know we realized that, you know, the whole premise of ritual is filling gaps in your diet. And, you know, over the last few months, we really took a hard look at that and we realized that we can't talk about nutrition gaps without talking about nutrition access and inequality. Mm. Um, That's something, a side note that I'm really excited about, but The team oversees these um, programs. We oversee the brand's content, editorial, uh, social, you know, sort of the full run of the gamut from a brand perspective. And then the other piece of my team and also my own role is um, product marketing and new product innovation. So we have a product marketing sort of sub team that sits within my team. And then I'm also personally really involved in something I'm really passionate about, which is contributing to the development of new products from a marketing Mm -hmm. perspective and beyond. It's interesting hearing about the two sides that you work on with brand and product, because one of the things that I wanted to compliment Ritual on is that I feel like as a consumer who follows the social pages, I think that you do a great job knowing when to push product and when to focus on just that overall, you know, relating to the lifestyle and the consumer who, who is consuming the product. So I'm curious, Oh, my Alexa just went off. Weird. (laughs) I'm curious how you find that balance. So I think the first thing that's important to know is that, um, and I think this is something that could actually apply to all brands, but it's actually built into rituals, you know, business model, which is that we're entirely subscription based. So with Ritual over time, you know, the customers that we're speaking with from a content perspective, many of them have been with us for a significant mm-hmm. amount of time. So I've been taking Ritual now for probably probably since the company um, launched three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we have a confidence in really embracing two things. One, connecting for our customers through their lives. And then two, how ritual fits in. So we have two core brand pillars and we very much embrace both of them. So the first one is called Make Yourself. And it's all about, you know, the idea of self-determination, self-determination being the only real criteria you need to belong to the ritual brand. And that's, you know, what you'll see 
show up in our social media or our content when we're really focused on the sort of everyday life, healthy habits, being your best. Mm -hmm. And then there is traceability, um, which is really tied to our product and something we're actually investing in more. But I think within the world of traceability and within the world of sort of product marketing in general, I think it's really important to think about the deeper story and something yeah. that you can commit to building out for your audience over time. So for us, traceability is that. And it's really the idea that we have the first fully visible supply chain of our kind. And the reason I think that's important to commit to and something that's going to be interesting for our customers longer term is that we sort of already have the proof point because it was why our founder and CEO started virtual in the first place. From a sort of a product storytelling perspective, what we're hoping to build and sort of continue building is equally, I think, approachable and deep and something that people can really sink their teeth into versus being like, buy our products. It's the best. You know what I mean? Right, right. Totally. I, one thing I was curious about is because you've built this brand and like you said, you know, a lot of your audience have been subscribers for this long time. So you know who you're talking to. How has it been launching the men's line yeah. where you're bringing in like a completely new audience um, and trying to still maintain that that brand? Yeah, that's a great question and something we've definitely talked a lot about lately. I think the good thing um, and something that we want to embrace is really this idea of growing from our existing audience. Um, which I think is always a good move, you know, to sort of use your existing customers to bring in new customers. And with men's, that's particularly relevant because I think outside of prenatal, it's been our most um, requested product ever. And that's because so many women who are ritual customers want ritual for um, the man in their lives. So right. that's something that I think becomes a really interesting point for us to build from in thinking about how we introduce ritual to households or communities or families or whatever it is. But I think over time, it's also sort of equally important to bring in new men to ritual. Um, and so that's where, you know, I think the brand will continue to sort of grow and adapt and I think we'll always be sort of female first and mm -hmm. our commitment to women and women's health. But we also want to eventually, you know, make sure ritual is there for everyone. And this was an right. step forward in doing that. One of the things that I'd like to expand on a little bit more is the approach to organic social overall. Um, Michelle and I mentioned to you, we've been big followers of ritual on Instagram for years now. And one of the things that we can always recognize is that it's shifting the perspective for a lot of customers from just following a cute Instagram to pushing something a little bit more meaningful and having product associated to it is often a hard like thing to bridge. So I'd just love to hear more about how you have kind of cultivated the Instagram feed and grown the channel organically. Yeah, so we have a great um, social leader, senior manager of social media. Um, and so I attribute a lot of um, our success to her. And I think that really the best thing I can do for our social as a manager is empower that direct social leader to have confidence. And mm -hmm. I really think that social is, you know, it's probably one of the most challenging roles at any fast growing brand because social is essentially the brand on mm -hmm. essentially the brand on an on a day to day basis. It's how it's communicating with people most frequently. Um, it's a representation of our values. It's where 
you know, people will call us out if they're, you know, frustrated about something or have an opinion, which is also very valuable. So really a role that I think is extremely challenging. And I think that um, creating great social content really comes from, you know, having someone who's fully dedicated to it or as dedicated as possible right. and empowering them to really source ideas and, and content from across the company. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that Ritual has succeeded in is that our social content is truly representative of the whole company. So right. our ops team is working on um, making us carbon neutral, which happened earlier this year. Um, that's something that will get incorporated into social. Um, you know, we have feedback from our acquisition team. Um, you know, we have sort of cultural moments or things that I'll be involved in. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a compilation. And I think that's part of what makes it special. And I think the other thing that's important is just trying things. And yeah. I always say um, that we shouldn't worry about the number of likes that we get. I really don't care about that, to be honest. I sort of think that you put good content out into the world, um, you will, your audience will kind of find that and you'll find that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to show people what you think they'll like rather than just play into what people already like. So totally don't worry. I don't worry about that sort of like immediate likes or anything like that. And I think that, you know, we, we just kind of keep moving and keep moving forward. But that's it to an extent. I mean, we also produce a lot of our content, all of our content really internally, which I also mm-hmm. can be really, um, you know, can create a really interesting kind of like core team around uh, right. that channel. So anytime you have that like kind of tight team, I think that really helps. It sounds like you're working on a ton of different initiatives <laughs> between, like you said, with the product development and, you know, issuing the Black Lives Matter statement, the carbon neutral. What are you most excited about? Like, what's your, you know, passion project that you might want to share with us? Um, that's a good question. There's a lot that I'd love to talk about from a new product. <laughs> can't really. That's probably yeah. what I'm most passionate about personally. And I think throughout my career, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of take what I've learned and then take a big step forward in building on that. Mm-hmm. Went from editorial to learning the basics of marketing to growing, you know, my understanding of marketing and leadership of marketing, and then kind of added this new product development piece onto it. And I think that's what's kept me really motivated at the companies that I've been part of is always feeling like I have something that's pushing me outside of my comfort zone. So that's something that's really exciting to me on a personal level. I think the other thing that makes me really excited is something that my team is working on, which I touched on, which is that traceability story. Um, I Something that's really important to us is to show what, you know, when it comes to multivitamins, what a multivitamin should be. There's a lot of sort of lack of trust in the vitamin space, a lot of skepticism. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, that also goes back to our founder and CEO's founding story and sort of the grand ethos of being for skeptics by skeptics. So if you go to our website right now and you go to our ingredients page, you can see all of our sources, totally open source. But we're working on sort of a vision for traceability, which makes me really excited about how we can showcase quality and value and trace exactly where everything comes from, um, but also touch on what makes our science and our sustainability best in class and sort of make that open source. 
Hearing you say, you know, the, the skepticism around vitamins and just like the, the category overall, I think one of the things that we wanted to hear your perspective on is with these like Instagram brands, or especially in the direct to consumer space, if you think about like Casper making mattresses cool again, <laughs> or um, again, just vitamins, a, a product that is part of your daily life, or maybe hasn't been necessarily seen through this lens of like, cool. Mm-hmm. From your experience, you know, working at Glossier and all the experience you have, what do you think is appealing to millennials, especially on social media, but just marketing overall when you're kind of launching these products and hoping to kind of reinvigorate a product? Or like disrupting a category yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Instagram really started when it, when it first started and when brands sort of first started adopting it. Um, was the way that we were expressing ourselves as brands to the world. But I think it mm-hmm. overall has quickly become the way that many of us see the world. Um, and the way that brands optimize their product and brand experience sort of for. So everything is mm-hmm. optimized for Instagram. I think that the idea of an Instagram brand is not something that I mind personally bothers me or is important to me is that I think that the idea of reinventing something or improving something when it really needs improvement. So I think Ritual is a great example of that. The multivitamin desperately needed improving. Um, I think that's very you know important and can be beneficial to people's lives, is beneficial to people's lives. But then I think what is a little bit more frustrating and I think unnecessary is when we're sort of just making things look cool for the sake of them looking cool. Totally. Yeah. You know, there's products. I buy many products from from brands that are big on Instagram, um, and I think that those are all great products and brands. But then I think there's also a lot of fluff that you kind of have to weed through. But to be honest, I think that what, um, for the most part, what is successful on Instagram, the brands that are successful on Instagram, are the brands that have either one a really strong product behind them or two a you know a really strong brand and then people will realize that the products are maybe not quite as strong as they as they think they are. Yeah, I was going to say like sometimes I get ads or even just browsing around and there's that very noticeable aesthetic when you that you know that someone's trying to, you know, replicate and then do a little more research into the product and like you said Claire like it needs, there needs to be more. There needs to be more than the, more the aesthetic. Meat. It needs yeah. to be, the brand needs to stand for something. It needs to have a story. Um, totally. I was going to say, it's so funny as a, like a millennial consumer myself. And I mean, it's one of those things where Instagram or any social media in general acts as such a digital storefront. And I think about it a lot, especially when I'm seeing ads in my feed. It's just like walking down Fifth Avenue, you know, like, do I actually want to stop in this store? Do I want to click this ad and follow through? And I think about that consistently. That's like, I've never thought about it like that. Really? I love that. I don't know. Well, obviously you're the brains in all of this, Michelle, but like (laughs) I, I, I don't really know how to activate on it, but I think to the point in which when you walk into a store and you realize that you don't like any of the products, they just convinced you based on the aesthetics of the store itself to go in. It's just funny because social media works as a gatekeeper in that way too. Yeah, I love that because also, you know, something might come across as, I think extremes are an interesting thing. Like if something feels too trendy or too young or too old, for or, sure. you know, whatever it is. And I think, 
for a lot of these brands that have grown off of Instagram, I think being too trendy or, um, yeah, trendy, I guess is the word, can be a real pitfall and sort of something to work to avoid. So when during yeah. ritual, I would actually consider us as being sort of too trendy from a brand perspective because things like the way the product looks, which is really cool, but it actually looks that way for um, optimal sort of absorption and uh, mm-hmm. actual product-related purposes, we're working to our disadvantage. And I think that it has become super, super trendy. So it's funny, too, to think about certain brands actually can work to become less trendy and less <laughs> in order to, you know, connect with their audience about what's really important, which is their product. I'm actually really glad you said the design of the capsule specifically is for absorption because I feel like that's such a common misconception of the vitamins themselves. I know like I wouldn't have known that unless I followed and like read and did my due diligence as a like a customer. So thank you for letting our audience know that they're not just aesthetically (laughs) cute. Well, yeah, it has a purpose. It keeps the dry nutrients and the oily ones separate. Um, But yeah, it's so interesting. And you could apply that to many different companies, you know, you Definitely. I don't have a Casper mattress. I don't know, but it looks super cool. But I'm sure there's a way, a reason why it looks the way it does, you know? Right. Totally. It sounds like in your career, you've really gotten the opportunity to kind of shape the things that you've liked, you know, moving from different industries. You mentioned you're getting more deeper into that core of what's meaningful to you and taking those bits and pieces from previous roles to kind of shape where you are now, you know, what's next for you? What's your um, pie in the sky brand? What do you aspire to do with your career? That's a great question. Um, I think I'm, you know, figuring it out. I think that you said um, my career has built in, in, I think a really organic way. And I've committed to a lot of hard work to kind of, introduce those new aspects that I've been excited about. And right now I'm excited about the new mm-hmm. product development piece. Um, right. But, you know, I think I'm someone who always loves the challenge and um, am really excited about what I'm doing right now. And the future of ritual is just so exciting to me. And I don't know if it's the quarantine or what, but there's just something so <laughs> comforting, I think, about thinking of the future and creating products that will, you know, the products that I'm working on probably won't launch next year. They probably launch like 2022, but I kind of love that yeah. right now. Like I, I feel like my mind is always almost like living in the next year in a weird way. Um, so that's sort of what's keeping me really motivated right now and what I'm excited about. I love that it's so forward thinking for you because I'm constantly, I think I say this to Michelle all the time, I just need something to look forward to yeah. in my personal <laughs> yeah. life. It's a weird thing about, I like to like think ahead and like live in the future a little bit as much as I can. Cool. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. So much. I'm so excited to be part of it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. I really liked hearing Claire talk about how she was experimenting with like the product development side Mm. of business and to hear about a company that is open and willing and wants their employees to like learn about different sides of the business. I think we experienced that at Likeable. I mean, you were an art director. Now you're (laughs) in new business. Right. Marketing in general is just the culmination of a bunch of different communication tactics and POVs. Well, like Claire said, marketing is something different for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so for the account that we want you to follow this week, we're gonna call attention to a couple of brands who have already started posting on Reels. How's that sound? Great. Okay, first up is Red Bull, who is continuing their really strong UGC curation, where they're doing this challenge, hashtag Red Bull Keep It Reels, punny. Love a pun. (laughs) Where they're encouraging people to share their extreme tricks and stuff using that hashtag on Reels, and then they're going to repost it. It's funny because on TikTok, sometimes I see extreme things like cliff jumping, yeah. and the videos get removed because of the danger. They don't want people to try it at home. I know, I know. There's actually no warning on any of these, <laughs> which is a very valid point that you bring <laughs> yeah. up. The other brand that has hopped on Reels early is Maybelline. Mm-hmm. So Maybelline has posted three videos so far, and they each have about 3 million views each, Mm -hmm. which is a lot for this short amount of time. And they hopped on the TikTok trend of doing a challenge. Yeah. So on TikTok, there was a huge trend from Elf, not the movie. (laughs) Eyes, lips, face. Eyes, lips, face. And they had like a custom song that Mm -hmm. everyone you know, used in their challenge. And Maybelline kind of did the same thing where they're using their classic, maybe she's born with it. Oh, I'll play it. I'll play it. Yeah, play it. You know it. Maybe it's Maybelline. It's hard not to sing along to And that. it's a transition of a before face and then a Maybelline makeup being applied in yeah. the after. Yeah. So nothing too groundbreaking yet, but I applaud these brands for jumping on it early. For all we know, they could be repurposed videos from TikTok. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's been a wonderful run of 16 episodes. I can't wait for y'all to hear more. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up.